speak to the person that might be a little far. Today I want to speak to the person that might feel a little distant. Today I want to speak to the person that might be suffering with some anxiety, maybe possibly feeling overwhelmed with life, the trials, the tribulations, possibly in dark times or dark moments. I want to tell you that Jesus is available to you. Our Heavenly Father is available to you right now. I know what it is to be in dark places, to be in dark times. I know what it is to feel pain. I know what it is to lose myself. I know what it is to lose confidence in those around me. I know what it is for me to feel like the system has failed me. But I know what it is for God to show up and to show up in a mighty way. And so I'm standing here because of this beautiful love of our Father. I'm standing here because of God's grace and His mercy. So today I want to tell you that you can come today. You can come just as you are. Is there anyone that wants to celebrate because they came just as they are? But now here's the beautiful thing about our God. You can come just as you are, but He loves you too much to leave you as you are. And so there's a hope for you. There's a new day for you. There's a hope for you. Let's thank God for that hope that we have in Jesus. Oh, God will wash you. God will restore you. He'll take broken people and he'll make them useful. He'll take a dark mind and bring light to it. He'll take a person that is lost in their wicked ways and release and reveal to them his powerful will and set you on a path and make your path straight. Our God is a redeemer. Our God is a redeemer. Our God is a redeemer. Redemption means deliverance. It means the regaining back of a possession by payment of price. So when we say God has redeemed us, we need to understand that a financial transaction has occurred. But not with earthly currency, but with divine currency. The Bible says this, that the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And so when we got lost and when we uh, fell into darkness, when we got lost into sin, the only way for heaven, the only way that heaven was able to pay for you, the only way that God was, to, was able to redeem you and regain you back was he had to make a payment to get you. And so the Bible tells us this, that God sent his son on the cross for us and he paid for us with the blood of his son. And so when the blood comes over us, that was our, our payment. The payment of our sin was the blood of God's son. And so he bought us back. He bought you back. He bought, my, he bought me back by payment of his blood. And so we're all standing here. We all cost the same. We are all valued the same. Today I want to tell you, you are just as valuable as the person standing beside you. So if you counted yourself as less, today I want to tell you, Oh, God paid a high price for you. He willingly paid the price for you. And that was the blood of his son. So if the devil's been lying to you, if people have been lying to you, saying that you're not valuable, the devil is a liar. The world will lie to you. Today I want to tell you, you are worth something to God. Let's celebrate our Redeemer. Can I tell you how proud I am of you, Dwelling Place Church? Look around you, look around.
around. You don't gotta go throw yourself on nobody, but just look around, wave, just wave to the person, wave to your brothers and sisters. It's a beautiful thing that that we're here today. We thank you so much for being here and joining us on this beautiful Sunday. You could have been anywhere. You could have been isolated in your room, but you decided to come to the house of the Lord. And I promise you, the presence of the Lord is here. And we just thank God for what he's doing. God's writing a unique story through us. And you could either see this as an inconvenience. Oh, are we in the building? Are we outside? Are we under the tent? You can see it as an as a, as a, um, a inconvenience. Or you can see this through the lens of a beautiful story that God is writing. You're going to be able to look back on these days and say, you remember how crazy we were? And we went under the tent when it was cold. And then we went under the tent when it was hot. And we went in this church. And then we went to that church. And then we didn't have a church. And we worshiped God on grass. Not everyone's going to be able to say that story. But we're going to be able to say that we praise God anywhere. And we praise God at any time. We praise God when there was a virus affecting our country. And we came to lift up the name of Jesus. Crazy Christian breed. I remember I used to look at people like us when I was growing up. And said, "Don't they crazy? That's that crazy Christian." I don't want to be one of them. But as this story continues to be written, I realize that we are those crazy Christians. Amen. I don't want to leave you standing too long, so let's go to the Word of God. The last week's sermon. I did. Let me lay this foundation. We're doing water baptism, right? And for some people just think, oh, it's just that thing that they do where they get wet and just, you know, come in and come out and, you know, let's take pictures and put them on our social media because it looks good. Last week, we tapped into the revelation of water baptism. And so let me just lay this foundation. I'm not going to preach last week's sermon again, even though I want to, but here it is. Water is in covenant relationship with God. Even before man made a covenant with God. God made a covenant with water and that relationship still stands today so I want to tell you God is here and his spirit is over these waters right now amen all right let's read Matthew chapter 3 beginning at verse 13 we're going to read to verse 17 I'm going to read from the new international version if you're following along in your bible apps or in your bible Matthew chapter 3 verses 13 to 17. It reads the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the church says, Amen. Amen. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. I'm going to repeat that. Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water at that moment. Heaven was open, and this is what I'm believing today. 
that as you come up out of the water, that heaven will open. And it says this, and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. I pray that as we take people beneath the waters, that the heavens will open up in the presence of the living God, just as it came over the Jordan waters. I pray that it'll come over these baptism waters and the spirit of God will descend in the life of all these people. Says, and a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And man, if that happened right now, <laughs> if heaven's opened up and the Spirit of God descended over these waters and we hear a voice, you better praise the Lord. I'm jumping in those waters too if it happens. Amen. My subject title today, last week was Obedience in Baptism, remember? Today is boldness in baptism. Amen. You guys may be seated. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We bless you and we honor you. Boldness in baptism. Amen. I'm going to try not to be too long. But as I got ready and prepared, Benji, you know what? You want to stay with me today? Thank you. <laughs> Get him my form, brothers. Praise the Lord. In a bottle of water. We'll baptize you at the end, brother. Boldness in baptism. Last week, I knew that I had two weeks to speak about baptism, so I'm going to encourage you. Uh, if you're getting baptized and you weren't able to listen to last week's sermon, please do. It's going to bless your life. We established that water is in covenant with God, a beautiful picture there. Uh, and when I got ready to prepare for baptism, I'll tell you, there's a, there's, as a pastor, there are sermons that you will have to preach over and over again. There'll, become, there, there'll be a season, there'll be a cycle where you have to bring them back uh, uh, before the people and so baptisms are one of those sermons not because it's a routine to do so but because baptism means something to us here at the dwelling place church and so every couple of months we're going to take time we're going to do a full sermon on it and we're going to open the baptism tank i just want to let you guys know uh, at least once a month we're going to bring this baptism tank back out here and we're going to be able to baptize those who have recently confessed jesus christ as their lord and savior and we'll be able to take you beneath the waters so in a way, we've been speaking about redemption and, and, and the regaining of a possession and bringing it back. And so uh, we're redeeming the message of baptism in itself. And so we're, we're going to have this pool on property. We have permission from the campgrounds to have it here. And so it's going to become available again. Amen. And so knowing I had two weeks, I had to look at baptism and, and divide it. And so God laid on my heart, and that's how we got last week's message, obedience in baptism. We do baptism because Jesus called us to be baptized. But thank God, God doesn't tell us to do anything without purpose. There's always a meaning when God speaks. And so even though just because God said it, it's good enough for us to do it, he does not leave us without a revelation of it. And so when we, when we, when we, when we preach about baptism, and when those, are, those people are being baptized, it's for them to do it with an understanding. And when you have the understanding of something, it then becomes powerful. It's not just something you did. It's something that you can hold on to. It's not just something you did. It's something that you can pass on. Amen? So that's why we're doing it with understanding. So baptism is painting a picture. Amen? There's a picture that is being painted in the baptism. 
I want you to picture this. Picture someone standing in here right now. Picture them going down. The word baptize is a Greek word that's baptizo, which means to be fully immersed, submerged, to make clean and to bathe. So picture there's someone in the baptism pool right now. A baptism would be the person going beneath the waters and then coming back up again. Here's the picture. They go down, but they don't stay down. They come back up. Here's the picture is painting. They go in one way, they come back up another way. And so baptism is this. Here's the first thing. I have three points for you. Point number one. Baptism is a picture of my redemption. I went down, but I came up. I went in one way, but I came up another way. I went down dry, but I came up wet. I went down old, but I came up new. Baptism is painting a picture. It's a picture that has texture. It has a, it's a picture that is flowing. It's a picture that has movement. It's a picture that has a message. It's a picture that reveals the truth. It prophetically speaks about the redeeming power of our salvation that's only found in Christ Jesus. So it's a beautiful picture. So I want this picture. I want to understand the picture. I want to know what the picture is saying. I want to know what I'm doing when I go through the picture. So the picture is this baptism is a picture of my redemption. And the last verses I closed last week's sermon with came from Romans chapter 6. And I'm going to go there from Romans chapter 6 verses 4 to 6. Look at the picture. Paul writes to, the Rome, to, uh, 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 writes to the Romans here, and he describes this picture to us. It's not we're guessing what the picture is. It's not that we had to think of it on our own. No, scripture reveals to us the message of baptism. Paul writes this in Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 4. Look what he writes. Pay attention to me. Therefore, we are buried with him. Him who? Meaning Jesus. We are buried with Jesus through baptism into death. I am buried with Christ. You know that Christ was buried? You know that he died on the cross? So it says this, Therefore we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Do you see the picture? Paul is saying what the picture of baptism is. You go down dead, but you come up alive. Baptism is painting a picture of resurrection. You go down one way dead in your sin, but you come up in the newness of life. So everyone who gets baptized, something new happens. This is life changing. You're not the same. It doesn't matter what happened before. It doesn't matter what happened to you yesterday, last week, even a trial that you had this morning. The minute that you go down and you come up, something new takes place. You're not the same. You know, you could draw a line in the sand today and say, this is my new beginning. This is the shot you've been waiting for. This is the opportunity that God has ordained for you to walk in the newness of life. So if you've been living a victim of your past, if you've been living a victim of what people did to you, if you've been struggling, if you've been having a hard time, if you've been feeling guilty, if you've been feeling shameful, if you can't, you know, can't get a hold of your life, today is the day where that all can become new for you. This isn't about what other people think about you. This is not even what you think about you. This is what God knows about you. This is God's purpose. This is a day for you. So do I want this picture? Yes, I want this picture. Do I need this picture? Yes, I need this picture. I was dead in my sin, but I don't want to stay dead any longer. So if I'm willing to go down like Christ went down, then the Bible tells me you can come up just like Christ came up. Oh, it's a picture. It's a picture. And this picture is for you. You don't got to stay the same. We don't just go in the water to get wet and come out. So why do you do that? I don't know. They told me to. Well, yes, the church is preaching the right message. 
but it becomes powerful when you know what you did. I can't imagine how many people got baptized that had no idea what they were doing. My mother told me to. I was 12 and all the other kids signed up. I got dressed up all in white. I had a graduation gown on and everything. The only thing I was missing was the hat. I went down, came up, and everyone shouted. I said, praise the Lord. But I have no idea what took place. The power of baptism, hear me, is the understanding of baptism. Now, I'm not saying if you got baptized and you didn't understand what was going on, that you came out worse than when you went in. I'm not even saying if your parents baptized you when you were two. I'm also not saying that if your parents got you baptized when you were, you know, an infant. Here's the thing. All Christian denominations believe in baptism, but we all divide ourselves on how we understand baptism. Um, but the power of baptism is in the understanding of baptism. So if your mommy took you to get baptized or whether they put you in a... I've seen some crazy baptisms, man. I've seen people take babies and like dunk them <laughs> multiple times. I'm like, what kind of church is that? Praise the Lord. Babies survive. Praise the Lord Jesus. I hope so. <laughs> some people get sprinkled with water, sprayed with water, you know, all kinds of things. But the power of baptism is in the understanding of baptism. And so if you want to baptize your child, I'm not saying that we're going to be the church and say, get away from us. You got, there's been times where a parent got baptized and they take their kids with them. We've baptized them. But the power of the baptism is in the understanding of the baptism. It's just like salvation. You can't make your child saved. You can only train them in the ways of the Lord, plant a seed, and hopefully on their own one day, they come back and say, Jesus, I want you. And so we can baptize a child, but what understanding does a child have of baptism? We're going to get into this. So it's painting the picture. Verse 5 goes on to say this. For we, if we have been united, look at it. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. There's two things taking place. There's a death that is acknowledging and there's a resurrection. If you take part in the death, if you acknowledge the death of Jesus Christ, then you get to take part in the resurrection. You can't take part in the resurrection if you don't want to take part in the death. Do you hear what I'm saying? There, uh, baptism follows something. You, don't, you can't just say, I don't want the death part. I don't want to acknowledge the death part. I don't want to go to that part, but I want the resurrection. It says this, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Now, let me tell you this. Baptism is not for everyone. What, pastor, you crazy? You preach about baptism more than anybody I know. Baptism is not for the person that does not want to deal with the death part. Baptism is not for the person who says, I don't want my flesh to die, but I want to resurrect in glory with God. Baptism is attached to something. Baptism, which represents resurrection, walks, walks side by side with something, and that is repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is not just turning away, but it's turning to God. It's repenting of your sin, repenting of your flesh, acknowledging that you're a sinner, acknowledging that you're lost, acknowledging that you can't save yourself, acknowledging your weakness in your human nature, and saying, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need your 
cross. I embrace the death part. I embrace the part of your blood shedding for my sin. I say yes to that. I surrender my life. I repent of my sin. And once you say and you agree with the death part, with the cross part, with the dying of your flesh part, then you can take part in the resurrection part. The resurrection that comes from the Father, then that belongs to you. So, re so baptism is not for the person who cannot come to terms with repentance. You can't have a resurrection without something dying first. And so if you're not willing to turn your flesh over and let it die in Christ, if you're not willing to acknowledge what was done on the cross, then it's going to be hard for you to live in resurrection. And I believe this is the reason why many of us Christians cannot live a, res a life of resurrection with God is because we're still holding on to the old man. We haven't laid him at the cross. We haven't turned him over to Jesus. And so you're carrying death while you're trying to walk in resurrection. And it doesn't work that way. You got to let it die. You got to give it to God. You got to repent of your sin and say, God, I release it to you. And then God can enable you to walk in the power of his resurrection. Does that make sense? So baptism isn't for the person that doesn't want to embrace the cross. You need the cross first. And so he, look at this. Repentance leads us into salvation and salvation leads us into baptism. You can't jump to baptism without coming through the door of repentance. And believe it or not, I'm personally, I'm honestly, I'm a little shocked at how, how many denominations separate salvation and baptism. I am because when I look at scripture, I don't see that picture. I don't see a separation of uh, of salvation being all the way over there and baptism being all the way over here. Hey, we got a special guest here today. We have the cross man, Ralph. Hey, Ralph. Why don't you come right over there by the white flag, Ralph, so everyone can see you. We thank God for Ralph, his wife, Diane. This is the cross man. This guy has been, I think, to almost every state with that cross, preaching the message of Jesus unashamed. Hey, he's one of those crazy church people. You never see me walking around the street with that thing, but he has. And sometimes as Christians walk by, I'm like, look at those crazy people. But he's crazy for Jesus. And thank you. And so most of us, I'm, I'm kind of confused how denominations keep the cross and baptism so far apart. You see the space that's between us? Oh my God, thank you guys. But you see the space that's between us? Now, remember, repentance leads us to salvation, and salvation leads us to baptism. And so in our denominations, we'll tell people, you need the cross, but you're not ready for baptism. They'll be like, you get saved, right? You give your life to God and be like, okay, you want to get baptized, but we got to make sure you get your life together first. I've seen it, I've heard it, and... I'm not trying to knock no one, but I'm just saying when I look at the message of baptism in scripture, I don't see that distance. I don't see, I don't see the cross and then see a 10 month course on it. I don't see uh, you're ready for baptism and you're ready. I mean, you're, you're, you're ready to receive Jesus, but you're not ready for the water. I don't see take the message of the cross, 
but get your life together and grow and mature and 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 and, and, and get to this certain place and once you get there then you can have this today i want to suggest to you that if you get the cross and you don't go immediately here you can't get to the place that we're all telling you to get to and i think we actually uh, stunt the growth of many believers by giving them the cross but then putting a space in between water baptism and so the the, the scripture shows us that 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 the cross come over Ralph repentance salvation doesn't stand by no come on come over here a little closer doesn't stand by itself but it stands together side by side with baptism and so the scripture see, explains it more like this. If you're ready for the cross, then you're ready for this. If you're ready for the cross, then you need this. Because for where God wants to take you, you can't get to it unless you pass through here. Stay right there. Stay right there. And, and, and John the Baptist, the first person who started preaching about water baptism specifically, his message was like this. There wasn't space in between. In Matthew chapter 3, look what John says about it. Let, let's see how John describes the space. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. This is Matthew chapter 3 verse 1. It's saying, Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now here's the thing. John's baptism had two requirements. Repentance of sin and believe that the kingdom of God is near. How many? Two. Repentance and the kingdom of God is near. What does that mean the kingdom of God is near? It means this, that the Messiah is coming. And God's going to start unfolding his plans once the Messiah comes. So look at the two requirements of John's baptism. Repent and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, the Messiah is coming. We don't know who that is, but he's coming. Repent of your sin and the Messiah is coming. Now let's go on. This is, uh, it goes on to say this. This is he of this is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So even Isaiah prophesied about John the Baptist going out into the wilderness. Look at John, verse, uh, verse 4. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. So he was a crazy Christian too. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole region of Jordan. Verse 6, look at this. Let's look at the space. Verse 6, confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. How big was the space? There was no space at all. They were confessing their sins and being baptized in the Jordan. So in John's baptism, there's no space. Salvation and water go hand in hand. Here's the crazy thing. We have a bad habit that we tend to separate things that in God's minds go together. We tend to separate the Old and the New Testament like they're apart, not realizing that those things go together. We tend to separate law and grace like they're two separate things, but we don't realize that they go together. Let me tell you this. You can't understand the grace of God until you understand every law that you broke. And we all want Jesus, who is the word of God in the New Testament, not realizing that he's the same word of God that formed the foundations of the world when God spoke in the Old Testament. And so we read half the Bible. We separate uh, faith and works, saying, no, it's by my faith only. I don't got to do nothing. But James said, faith without works is dead being alone. I'll show you my faith by my works. And so you're not saved by work. But once you get saved, then you need to produce some works. They're not separate, they go together. And so water baptism and salvation are not two separate things. Those things go together. Yeah. 
Look what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19, this was a highlight verse that we opened with. The Great Commission says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He didn't say wait for them to grow and mature and get to some other place. He said, make them disciples, make them believe and take them beneath the waters. Later on, Jesus says it like this in Mark 16, verse 16. He said, whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Whoever is saved, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Well, what about the New Testament church? How did Peter do it? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, Peter did it just how Jesus told him to do it. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says this. On the day of Pentecost, Peter gets up and starts preaching this amazing message from a bunch of verses. You can go and check it. He's preaching. He Look how he ends his sermon. Look at his altar call. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There are the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized. He didn't send them home. He didn't say, go back and take a test. And if you answer, you know, eight out of 10, then we'll take you beneath the water because you figured it out. No. Right there, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day, not later on. The reason why I'm preaching this is because some of you have said yes to Jesus and you're like, but I'm not ready for that. I'm not that spiritual yet. When I get to another level, when I pray more, I'll get baptized. When I fast more, I'll get baptized. When I get my act together, I'll get baptized. I'm telling you right now, you can't pray more. You can't get your act together when you say, oh, when I stop doing this, then I'll go into water. You can't stop doing that until you go beneath waters. Because there's a God, there's a Holy Spirit that's going to meet you in the waters who's going to accompany you. You're just delaying yourself. The church is putting a gap in between people and the power of God that belongs to them. So John's baptism, how much space? No space. Jesus' baptism, how much space? No space. Peter's baptism, the apostles, how much space? No space. Why does the church got space? I don't know. That's why we made sure we've got a baptism pool within our church. You don't know how I was silently traumatized that we didn't have a baptism pool. This, this, I was silently traumatized as a pastor because people would get saved and we've been doing altar calls in this camp for the past six, seven months. And in the back of my head, I'm like, they need the water. They need the water. They need the water. I almost was going to start just dumping bottles of water on people and saying the name of the Lord Jesus. Because <laughs> I know God's got a covenant with water. That's why this is powerful because water has been in covenant in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God hovered over the waters. And when there was no partner for God to partner with, water said, God, here I am. And water said, remember? God said, you ready to rock with me? And water said, I can rock with you. He's been in partnership with water ever since. I want to preach week one again right now, but I'm not. <laughs> so now here's point number two. Water baptism is the seal of my repentance and the sign of my salvation. It's the, it's the seal of my repentance and the sign of my salvation. 
Now at Jesus' baptism, I want to tell you this now, ready? John's water baptism was one thing. Jesus' water baptism and the one that comes after in his name is another. Both, same act, different revelations. The water baptism of John and the water baptism of Jesus were two different things. This is why, hear me, this is why John had a struggle when Jesus was coming to him and then John was able to see in the spirit that he was. The Bible says this, that John said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. When he saw Jesus coming, that's what he said. This whole time, we don't know how long, I don't know if it was months, a couple of years, but John was preaching, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. He was preaching, repent, the Messiah is coming. And one day, the Bible says that he sees the Holy Spirit on him as he's coming. And John was preaching, he goes, behold, I baptize you with water, but there's one who's coming mightier than me that will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And all of a sudden, on that day, when Jesus starts walking towards the Jordan River, John's like, boy, Behold, oh my God, the guy that I've been preaching about, the kingdom of God that was coming. There it is. Here it comes. He said, the Lamb of God. But then John's like, oh my God, there's a problem here. You want me to baptize you, Jesus? What did Jesus say? He said, yeah, man. <laughs> he said, you want me to baptize you? Jesus said, yeah, man. Why? You know why John struggled? Because remember, John's baptism had how many requirements? Every person who was going to baptize had to do what? One, repent of their sin. And then two, believe that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Believe that there's a Messiah coming. They didn't know who, but they had to believe that. So John looks at Jesus and he knows Jesus can't, don't need to repent. He's like, I'm not sure how this is going to work, brother, because everyone that I put in these waters needed to repent. And I'm really not sure how this is going to work because everyone had to have faith that there was a Messiah coming. But brother, you are the Messiah. So Jesus, so John struggled to baptize, uh, John struggled to baptize Jesus in his mind. Not because, because Jesus didn't meet the requirement. The reason why Jesus didn't meet the requirement was not because he was beneath it, but because he was over it. He was above it. He was beyond it. He surpassed the requirement. And then Jesus turned around, looked at John and he said, let it be so. Suffer it to be so. This is necessary, listen, to fulfill all righteousness. Now, the word fulfill in its original language means this, to complete something. In other words, Jesus was looking at John saying, hey man, you've been doing a good job, brother. You started this, but I'm the one who's going to finish it. He said, good job, faithful servant. You've been doing what you needed to do. I'm glad that you preached a message about repentance. And I'm glad that you let the world know that I am coming. He goes, but I am here to fulfill. I'm here to bring identification to the Messiah. So that people are not just having faith in something, but they're going to have faith in someone. And he goes, here's the thing. You can't pay and can't die for your own sin anyway. Only a perfect lamb could do that. So you got to baptize me because this is going to foreshadow what I'm actually going to do. And then the Bible says that John consented. In other words, John was obedient with the baptism. And Jesus is being very bold with the baptism. So let's go on. So Jesus is not beneath the standard. He is above the standard. 
It goes on to say this in John 1. I'll be finishing up. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is John 1, verse 29. Verse 30 says, This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me, look at this, has surpassed me. He was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. So John's message was, look out, the kingdom of God is at hand. We don't know him yet, but he's coming. And now here he is. Then, God, then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man of whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So John's water baptism produced repentance and hopes of a Messiah. The water baptism of Jesus identified the Messiah. In Matthew 3, verse 16, it says this, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, who I love. With him I am well pleased. So what's the difference? John's baptism introduced you to repentance and gave you hope of a Messiah. Jesus' baptism, he was the Lamb of God who took away the sin. So Jesus' baptism revealed who you're repentant to, and then it revealed that he is the Messiah and Son of God. But then it does this. It goes a bit further. At Jesus' baptism, the heavens crack open. At the baptism of Jesus, the Bible says that the heavens are torn, split in half, and the Holy Spirit comes down. So I want to tell you, this is the difference with Jesus' baptism. That's different from John. John can only tell you about repentance and give you a hope of someone who was coming. Jesus' baptism gives you identity that our Savior is Jesus, but it opens the door to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so we go down in water, but it's to open the door for us to receive the Holy Spirit. This is why when you say yes to Jesus, it's so important that there is no gap. It's so important that there is no space because the Holy Spirit wants to baptize you himself more than just water. The water is just symbolizing something that God wants to release. God wants to release his spirit over you. God wants to immerse you. God wants to submerge you in his Holy Spirit. John's baptism couldn't give you that. Only the baptism of Jesus. So this is why we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We don't baptize in the name of John. We thank John for being the forerunner and, 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 and starting it. But Jesus, that's why Jesus said, hey, brother, now I got to fulfill it. Because we can't let people be, be baptized in this same baptism. He said, you started one baptism, I'm going to finish it and seal it with the Holy Spirit. John couldn't give that. So now when we baptize, we baptize in his name. So later on, there's this amazing story in Acts because the apostles started to preach the message of Jesus and they started to baptize people. And one of the things that we see them come across is they come across people who were baptized in John's baptism. Who they have been baptized before and they have been baptized for the repentance of their sin and believing that the Messiah was coming. 
And so the apostles and Paul himself were like, oh, you got baptized? Were you, have you received the Holy Spirit? And there's this scene where someone says, no, I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. He's like, well, what baptism were you baptized with? And they was like, well, I got water baptized with John's baptism. And you know what Paul did? He said, nah, brother. You only, that, was only, that was only the start of this, but Jesus completed this. Paul took that man and baptized him again, and the Holy Spirit came over him. Let's read it, Acts chapter 19. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he asked them. This is Acts 19, uh, verse, right, uh, first verses. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? Look at their answer. John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told, to, he told the people to believe in one coming after him. And then he goes on to say, that is, and if you don't know, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So he took people who had one baptism but didn't understand it. He took people who went beneath waters but had no revelation of it. He took people who got baptized with ignorance and he said, we're going to do it right this time. We're going to put identity. There's no longer a baptism with a hope in someone's coming. No, it's identified that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God that has taken away your sin. We're going to baptize him in your name. And here's the difference with the baptism of Jesus and John. One's only for repentance, but this one's for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he took those same men. He said, we're going to do it right this time. And he baptized them in the water. They laid hands on those men, prophesied and spoke in tongues. So to the person that missed their baptism So I want to tell you Here at the Dwelling Place Church I have baptized people who have been baptized before And I've taken a lot of heat for it Like That is sacred You don't play with that I'm like It is so sacred That's why I did it you ain't going to believe this, but one guy got on an airplane from up north and flew down and made an appointment to come to my house to talk to me about this. He lost. <laughs> well, he lost in the sense that I, I kept doing it. I'm not saying that I just go around and just baptize people twice for the sake of baptizing people twice. But I'm saying if you, I, I have baptized people who got baptized when they were a kid, when they were 12. They didn't even know, they haven't even, they don't even know what sin is at that point. <laughs> I baptized people who said, man, I just did it to do it. And I had no idea. I said, well, in my mind, that's like John's baptism. You're just doing something to do something. So we want to baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit wants to baptize you more than anything. And so today, I want you to be bold in baptism. Now, if you've been here in our church and, you, and, and you've heard our messages, you know exactly what baptism means. So don't try to play that one on me. And you're really just hot today and you want to get baptized. If you've been in our church, you know what you know the revelation of baptism. So don't come playing with me and say, Pastor, I want to get baptized again. You don't get baptized every time you sin. You repent. You confess God. But if you got baptized before and you had no idea what you did, then I want to tell you that today could be your day. If you've never been baptized, if you recently said yes to Jesus, to that cross, I want to tell you that this belongs to you. 
Water baptism identifies me as a child of God and gives me right to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So do you need water baptism? Well, let me ask you this question. How do you plan to live? Do you need baptism? Well, how do you plan to live? Am I saying that if you don't get baptized, you don't go to heaven? I ain't saying that. How many people remember the thief on the cross? Who was by Jesus' side. They're hanging on that cross and you got one thief kind of mocking the other one's like, leave him alone. This man has done nothing wrong. We deserve to be up here, but this man's innocent. Jesus turned to that thief on the cross and you know what he said? You remember? He said, today you will be with me where? In paradise. That man didn't, Jesus didn't baptize him, right? He didn't have time. Well, let me tell you this. That man was going to die in moments. He wasn't going to live much longer, right? But if you plan on living, if you plan on having more days after today, I'm telling you, you need this because you need the Holy Spirit to live out the rest of your days. That guy was going to die any minute. He was going to be in paradise. He didn't need none of that. He's just ready to go with Jesus. When you're going up with Jesus side by side, that you holding hands with the Holy Spirit. But if you plan on living another day, I want to tell you, you really can't afford not to. There's power in this baptism. Now for everyone who said, well, I ain't planning on none of this today. I'm telling you to be bold. I'm telling you to be brave and I'm telling you to be bold. The Bible tells us this, uh, now I'm really ending, that there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, who was by the side of the road and he was reading the scriptures. And Philip, an apostle, coming from, uh, I believe it was Samaria, who was commissioned to preach the cross and water baptism, sees him there. And then Philip asked the eunuch, he goes, do you understand what you're reading? The eunuch had the scriptures open to Isaiah chapter 53. He says, how can I understand this unless someone explains it to me? And the Bible tells us this, that Philip paused, stopped, sat with the man and explained the scriptures to him. And in explaining Isaiah 53, Philip was able to identify to that man that Jesus was his Messiah. He was. He was the sacrifice that he was reading about. Now, this is what's so cool in that passage. And this is in uh, Acts chapter 8. It says that Philip stops and he explains to him. And as they continue, that's it. The text ends. It just says that Philip explained the scriptures to him. And the Bible says this, as they continued, the man sees water. And then it says this. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. This is verse 36 of Acts chapter 8. And the eunuch said, look. Here is water. What can stand in the way of my of in the way of, of me being baptized? Look what Philip says. He gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. What does this tell us? It tells us this that when Philip stopped to explain to him Isaiah 53 and tell him about Jesus. He did not leave out the message of water baptism. Because why would the eunuch say, oh, look, here's water. What stops me from being baptized? We don't have a verse that he says it. But how in the world, if Philip doesn't understand Isaiah 53, if the eunuch doesn't, how then would he know to ask about water baptism? It had to be that when Philip preached, he was bold and said, hey, Jesus is who you need to repent of your sins to. And I need to baptize you. So today I tell you, as I preach the cross to you, we preach baptism to you. 
I want to invite you to say yes to Jesus. And as you say yes to Jesus, I want you to be bold knowing that we're inviting you into water baptism. So we're going to do a prayer. I'm going to ask everyone to, be, to remain seated, close their eyes. If you need Jesus, you never accepted him. Then I want you to repeat this prayer in faith. And then after that, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet that as you receive Jesus, you're also going to receive water baptism today. And for someone who's saying, well, I didn't plan this. I don't got clothes. We got clothes for you. I don't got a towel. I got a towel for you. Don't worry. Let's do this. Let's be bold. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, here I am. I repent of my sin. I am a sinner in need of you. Today, Lord, I lay my sin at your feet. I ask you, Lord God, to take my sin, take my flesh. I give it to you. I give my weakness to you. I give the weakness of my flesh to you. I give my human nature to you. I give you my desires. I give you my pains. I give you my struggles. I surrender them at your cross, at your feet. I receive you, Jesus, today as my Messiah, as my Savior. Today, I receive the message of the cross that my salvation is in you, and I boldly receive the message of baptism. Today, I want to resurrect in you. Make me new as I go beneath waters. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let's give a round of applause because everyone who prayed that is saved. Now I need you to be really, really bold. If that was you and you said yes to the cross and you're also saying yes to the bat to, to water baptism, can you on the count of three stand to your feet? Don't second guess it. Just do it. One, two, three. Stand to your feet if that was you. Stand to your feet if that was you. Stand, oh, stand to your feet if that was you. We got one over there. Yeah. I thank God for you, brother. Anyone else? Anyone else?